Welcome to Uncontained episode 143. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and on the show today, I speak to James Rockefeller. He's a television producer and a public address announcer. He's a producer. Produced VJ TV and also also produces Diva Talk Tonight, uh, hosted by Kelda Music, one of my past guests here on Uncontained. And uh, well, she hooked up the referral. And in addition to producing television, Rock also does public address announcing. You know, the ring announcer at the boxing bout, the guy announcing the nominees at your favorite award show. Rock has also interviewed some legends as we talk about during the show, including uh, Motown's Barry Gordy, uh, the one, the only Denzel Washington, and one of my favorite rap groups. I'll give them my own personal legendary status, Outcast. Not that they need any help from me, but, you know, I just like to throw that in there. It's really cool getting to meet up with Rock at his studio in Oakland, California. Get a little inside look at the studio and uh, what they have going on. Without holding you up any longer, this is my conversation with James Rockefeller. How are you doing today, Rock? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me into your studio and uh, give me the royal tour around. I've got some really cool stuff around here. Well, thank you. Yeah. We do a lot of stuff here. I mean, we do, we, we've done like six films. Um, my background is music television, so we've done a ton of TV shows. Um, we also have a production company to where we've produced medical shows, educational shows, religious, government, um, you name it. We've done it. Okay. All right. Yeah. You were like showing me some of the pictures of people who have been in here and uh, the the studio that you have, like the green screen, the white screen, the black screen, and uh, yeah, legit set up here, my friend. So um, I was actually referred to you by a uh, past guest of mine, Kelda Music. Kelda Music. Yeah. So how, how, how do you know Kelda? I've been, Kelda, I've been watching her hustle for years. Okay. Kelda is still young, but Kelda is always on the grind. And I know Kelda, she does television, but she's also a musician. And we used to pass each other at different uh, award shows um, and presentations, parties, stuff like that. And she started producing Diva Talk Tonight. Yeah. And I watched it on Coffee TV 20 and I was like, okay, it's cool. I like where she's going with it, but... I'll wait till she calls me because I seen some <laughs> things that I could I could do to enhance her production, and I think about a month later, she had reached out to me and we just kept bumping in each other. And I told her I said, Kelda, I would like to assist you with Diva Talk tonight because I like where you're going with it. So we took it and moved it to a new studio, brand new studio. Um, we're getting um, bigger guests. It, it looks real nice. Have you seen the, the newest production on Coffee TV, Sundays at 1130? It's lovely. I have not seen the new production yet. I've actually gone and helped out on a couple of her shows in the past, um, but I haven't seen the new the new production. So that'll be definitely cool to check out. I'll have to... What time was that on again? It's on Sundays at 1130 on Coffee TV. Right now it's on at uh, the last Sunday of the month. But okay. we're trying to move that with more sponsorship into um, once a week. So, like, say Kelda calls you, all right, and it's like, Rock, I need help. Like, what, what do you do, like, when you go there to help take her production to the next level? Well, I direct. 
Okay. You know, because I'm um, familiar with multi-camera shoots. That's one of the things I used to do. Um, I started public access television back in 1989. Okay. And I graduated from there to a network called uh, Sobe Television Network here in Oakland, which was actually the first African-American-owned television network in the country. Very came out cool. in 1978. Um, I've also worked for the city of Oakland. I've worked for the city of Hayward. And I've also done, you know, multiple camera shoots. So multi-camera shoots is my background. Okay. So I knew that she would um, need assistance because I never say the word help. I knew she would need assistance, <laughs> that type of thing. So I knew how to do it. And I was like, okay, I can assist you here. I can assist you with formatting the show because formatting is a big thing to me. I love okay. formatting. So just getting her show to where people would respect it. Not that it didn't have respect before, but to where people watch it and go, okay, they're like, you see Jimmy Kimmel now, and you see all the late-night talk shows, and then you got Diva Talk Tonight, which is, it's it's getting there. You know, it's a real, real great show. We got the thing called the Diva Dive, to where okay. we have um, three models uh, sitting in, and, it's, and the Diva Dive is like her audience. And she interacts with the Diva Dive, kind of like, you know, her band, her oh. audience, and it's real cool in lieu of having a live audience, because we don't have a live audience. If you watch it on TV, you wouldn't know that. But that's who she interacts with, and that's who our guests can interact with. So it's a real dope concept. And concept, excuse me. And uh, Kelda's a great host because Kelda has personality off the chain. That she does. I can attest to that for sure. Um, so um, now, you said you got started. We'll say a couple of years ago, but uh, <laughs> um, more than a couple. <laughs> like, what was your first step into? Um, the entertainment industry stand-up comedy stand-up comedy okay i started doing stand-up 1986 on a whim and i came with and i know we're going to get into this discussion later but i came with a so-called branding or let's say lying a little bit um like <laughs> <laughs> i used to do a lot of it's open mics line. okay right and back in back in the day i started 86 they had open mics like every night so there's a place that you can perform every night. And I remember one of the first places I performed, which was the Holy City Zoo. Holy City Zoo was a place in San Francisco that Robin Williams, right before he did a special, he used to come do stage time there. Really? Yep. Robin Williams, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Rob Schneider, you know, people like that. They used to always come to the Holy City Zoo to work out before they did the comedy specials. And the first time I performed at the Holy City Zoo, I said that, uh, you know, he was a... Uh he was appeared on Soul Train and this and that. No, I've never been on Soul Train in my life, but it worked. You know? <laughs> Went up there and did my thing, and then after that, it just took off. And then when you um, when black comedy started surfacing through the uh, black comedy competition in 86, 87, I was in the first three competitions. And then that led to even more clubs, like, and that led to the Oakland scene, who had a lot of open mics for black comics yeah you know? but i was doing both rooms so i knew how to structure jokes you know what i mean so and I, having both sides of it the san francisco thing and the oakland thing really enhanced my comedy i got into television 1989 on a whim i wanted to be a rapper for like a day <laughs> and then i found out how much it was going to cost to press a record did you have a rapper name online um, or nasty rock three Nasty Rock Three with All a right. U, so it was nasty. Nasty, yeah, because I, I was a big, I was a big uh, Joan Collins fan, and she was English. Okay, so everything that I did had like that English tone. I was even like rapping like Slick Rick, because you know Slick Rick has that 
that yeah. accent, and that's cool to me. So I was yeah, doing the same thing. Yeah, he has an thing. interesting accent. Is, yeah. it, is it an English accent? I, I think it's English. Yeah. yeah, it's like I was just like that. That's slick Rick. <laughs> yeah, like I think him and Moni Love are actually from England. Really? Yep, I believe okay. so. But it's like they had that accent, and I loved the accent, and I loved everything about, you know, uh, England. So that was my thing, Nasty Rock. You know, and I spell <laughs> Rock R O C K E because I don't want my name to be a four-letter word. Okay. So I was uh, going down to see how much it cost to press a record. And once they told me the price, I was like, okay, that's my last day trying to be a rapper. <laughs> and I'm walking down the street. I'm in San Francisco. I'm on 15th and Harrison. I can remember where I was. And I seen a flyer that said, um, watch the Ku Klux Klan TV show, City Visions Channel 25. What? And my comedy was kind of like, this, again? this was 89. Okay. And my comedy was like, you know, that pro-black comedy and whatnot. You know, I used to wear my ox and my fist, you know, on stage, my ex-clan boots, you know, the whole nine. And when I seen that, I was like, City Visions, I went to a phone booth and got the number to City Visions and called them. And I was like, how does the clan have a show? They said, well, this is public access. You know, it's free speech. Anybody can have a show. I said, I want a show. All right. They was like, cool. Come sign okay. the paperwork, prove that you're a San Francisco resident, it's all good. The station just happened to be half a mile from where I made the phone call. <laughs> so I actually walked there right then, signed my paperwork, and two two weeks later, I had a dance show called And The Beat Goes On, because I used to hang in clubs like at least six days a week. Okay. So I started a dance show, and then from there, graduated to music television. When you say music television, are you talking like MTV style, uh, videos, live performances, and everything like that? Yeah, music videos, celebrity interviews, and event coverage. Okay. All right. So what what year did you actually start music television in? 1989. 1980. Okay. Yeah. You. I, I apologize. You yep. mentioned that earlier. Yeah. 1989. I was just getting all these dates thrown around in my head and all that stuff. So you've done stand-up. Do you still do stand-up comedy? I haven't done stand-up in a while. I've done it every now and then, but I got so enthralled in what I'm doing with television and what I'm doing with public address. I, I can still write. Okay. You know, and then I still work with um, a lot of comedians, a lot of local comedians, and when I look at their material, I know how to write for them. So I might have something in my head and go, hey, dude, you sound great doing this. You know what I mean? And they'll try it out. If they like it, they'll use it. Yeah. So I still write. But, you know, my focus now is not only music television, but um, doing public address. I'm a public address announcer. It doesn't sound like it because I have a real raspy voice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I change it like singing, though. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So when when I'm doing public address, it's more like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. You know, I can just <laughs> change it up. And people are so fascinated by that. It was like, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. It's, al- it's always fun to throw in a voice. I, can, I, I do a few myself, but we won't get into that right now. So I was going to make a comment about how, like, your voice is so calm, so quiet now. Like, I'm listening to you introducing, like, Arsenio Hall or uh, I see you do are the voice of some sports teams around the area. Right. too um see hearing that voice come out of you then meeting you and you're talking all like chill it's yeah, like- right. <laughs> that's how i am it's like singing to me though you know having a voice like that is singing because a good friend of mine is uh armand from kblx okay and armand just has that naturally deep voice that's like his voice like 24 yeah. 7 but when and i've introduced him at uh different shows you know several times but it's like my voice goes on and off Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's kind of a cool thing because he even tripped off of it. He was like, dude, you just don't sound like that. I said, dude, my voice is like singing. Yours is natural. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? But he has like the coolest voice because he has that late night and that real deep baritone. And that'll be a dope public address voice. You yeah, know what I'm saying? yeah. But it's, his voice is like, it's low and it's chilled. So what what all are you the voices for? Like, I know you do some boxing or MMA fighting. Uh, what, fill me in on, like, what is your range? Oh, I'm the <laughs> public address announcer for uh, Laney College Eagles, the football okay. team. I'm the public address announcer for Merritt College, the uh, T-Birds, the male and female team. I'm the public address announcer for the Oakland Athletic League. So I do all of their biggest games, like the Silver Bowl, which is the high school championships in Oakland. I've done uh, volleyball championships. I've done soccer. I've done basketball. I've done baseball. Um, I also just acquired a contract, which is a friend of mine. His name is Kareem Hardhitter Mayfield from Mayfield Promotions. Okay. And I'm his boxing announcer now. And that was a, my first venture into boxing because I wanted to get into boxing. Yeah. And I know Kareem because we're both from Fillmore in uh, San Francisco. And he's good friends with my son, my oldest son. So um, I had called him and said, dude, I would like to do your next match. And he was like, well, I got somebody, but the one after that, I got you. And then he called me one, like, Saturday. Send me a tape. Sent him something. And I think he called me Monday, like, okay, dude, you got it. <laughs> so... When I went there, man, I, I watched a lot of boxing tape. You know, I watched um, Michael Buffer, of course. I yeah. watched Jimmy Lennon Jr. I watched Diamond Dave Diamante. You know, I went back to the 80s and just watching what their flow was, just so I can get it right. And my thing is always appearance. So, like, when I do public address, I wear the old plaid jackets. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. reminds you of, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s announcers. When I did the boxing thing, there's a picture. I, I found the silver jacket. Oh, nice. And I came with the silver jacket and the tie. And when I was walking around, people were like, that's got to be the announcer. You know? <laughs> Dress and the I, part, my friend. Yeah, so I was asking questions of the judges, and I never knew how serious boxing was. But I'm like, the judges, the referees, even the uh, the guy with the bell. I mean, everything is so serious and tight. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, definitely, man. So, like... You're doing the ring announcing for this, not the like call play by play. No, I'm doing the okay. ring announcing. I was just trying to get him. I'm like, I'm in this corner, right? Yeah, like, that in this corner. All right. Yeah, gotcha, to gotcha. And fighting out of the red corner <laughs> <laughs> in the blue trunks yeah, with he, the white trim. Yeah. He approaches this fight with 24 wins, 23 by knockout, and zero losses. Please welcome. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Um, that's cool. So you got a job doing that now. Do you do any, uh, like voiceover for say animation or any recorded voiceover or? I'm, I'm trying to get into voice that I was doing. Um, I did a couple of, uh, projects for a guy, a friend of mine named Terry T, uh, Terry T Butler, they call him Mr. Community. And he does a lot of CD educational projects, you know, involving sports. So I did some stuff with Vita Blue, uh, Bill Russell, Bip Roberts, Raymond Chester, um, and just that was exciting because, I mean, these cats are legends. Yeah. And we're on the same CD, but I was on the CD as a PA announcer, <laughs> which was which was cool. You know, and I uh, also got my son, who's now 20. He was 10 at the time, and he's on one of the CDs. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so. What's he doing out. on the CD? He's, um, I guess he just did a part like a fan. Or something okay. like that. And then they also had him um, do like a scripted little dialogue about, you know, good sportsmanship and stuff like that. Now he's 20 and I'm trying to get him into uh, sports casting because the cat is a genius when it comes to like 
you know, watching sports and the scores, and yeah. you know, he watches all the drafts. And I'm like, dude, you should be a commentator. <laughs> Knows every player's stats. Know every player's stats. And when you, I mean, he argues with grown men about uh, sports, <laughs> and they're they're looking at him like this dude is incredible. And he's been doing that since he was like ten or eleven. Nice, nice. Well, found his calling then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and anybody, please replace Chris Collinsworth. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So now, well, as I was walking in uh, to the studio, uh, you had your camera guy out there packing the camera up. What What are you working on right now? Well, and and um, where the studio you're in now is called Where Media Meets. Okay. And there's three companies in Where Media Meets. There's VJTV, the Visual Radio Network, which is my company, um, entertainment television, uh, music television, um, history and making entertainment, who does like all of our editing. You know, they do like 90, 95% of the editing on all the TV shows, production company, but he also does movies. He's done five films. And then we also have Feral Films, who does uh, films and television. Okay. So we all collaborate on different projects, but more so uh, myself in History and Making Entertainment, we pretty much do a bulk of the TV shows and the posters that you see on the wall. Okay, cool, cool. So do you want to tell people like what feature films you have out? Yeah, we did um, Town Biz which got heavily bootlegged back in 2006. That okay. was our first feature film, and we shot it in Oakland. Um, really, really good-looking film, uh, really good editing on it, writing. We've done um, films with Tom Sizemore um, called Hunting Season. We've done a, a film called Basketball 316, which was produced by Feral Films. Okay. And was starring Brian Hooks. So we use a lot of uh, Hollywood actors in our and our productions, we've used Clifton Powell, we've used um, Miguel Nunez, we've used Eric Roberts, which is Julia Roberts' brother. Okay. Um, so we do use a lot of um, Hollywood in our films. Did you ask him if he could get his sister for free for a day? You uh, know, yeah, just right. <laughs> I wonder if they still have a good relationship. Oh, you know? I don't know. Hollywood, man, it can mess some people up, I'll tell oh, yeah. you. And also, Watch Phoenix Rise is one of the films that we got available on. Uh, most of our films are on Hulu, Amazon. Um, they were available through Walmart, Best Buy, stuff okay. like that. So cool, we, we've cool. had distribution on our films. That is awesome. So, like, that's a big step right there, like, to legitimacy, getting distribution. Say somebody is, like, trying to get, like, a film distributed. How would they get a hold of somebody to distribute it? Phone calls. Phone calls. People have to believe in your film or look at it and go, you know, I think I can do something with it and make some money off of it. You know, in order for a, dis a distributor to even be interested, a lot yeah. of people go through film festivals. You know, some film festivals, you some film festivals or majority of them really don't get distributors out of. You know, it's just for people to see. You know, and hopefully there might be somebody in the audience to go, "Hey, I like this film. Let me throw something behind it." You know, but when you get to the bigger stuff like the Cans and the Sundance and, you know, stuff like yeah. that, that's when people really start paying attention because your audience is a bunch of people that is looking to promote your film. Yes, a and bunch of industry people. That's there. where you want to be. You know, yeah. that's the level we want to be. And it's also, um, it's got to have, you know, good directing, good writing. You know, sometimes if your film looks great and, you know, the plot is okay and they think they can make some money in a month. They might go, let's distribute it for a month. Let's see what the numbers do. Okay. And you can't lose out because a lot of um, local filmmakers, they're doing shoestring and no-string budgets. So whatever money they make off their film, they're winning. Yeah, exactly. You know? 
and it's amazing. A lot of people are like shooting like on their like smartphones, right, and stuff. And I wouldn't suggest that, but you if, know. well, if you can't if you can't afford the big equipment, you know, <laughs> yeah. But it's, Make, it's it's never what you it's never what you shoot on. What I always tell people it's not your equipment; it's it's the shooter. So if you know what you're doing, you can get some really good looking stuff, you know, with minimal equipment. And equipment that we have, we've we've been building and building, but we've done. I mean, I used to shoot commercials on a um, a digital eight, and you know, a digital eight is a real small camera. But when people see the quality, first they look at the camera, and go, "How's my commercial gonna look?" And then <laughs> they see it because I'm bringing lighting and the whole nine. They go, "Oh my god, I didn't know that shot. What kind of camera was that again?" You know what I mean? so. Yeah, yeah, knowledge helps a lot. And uh, okay. Um, if this isn't something that you're actually promoting or not, I won't talk about it, but um, Oakland's Finest, December 1st, I saw that on your Facebook page. Is that something that you're a part of? It's like a charity uh, black tie holiday ball. Yeah, I promote it because I know the, the people that's putting it on. Some people that I know, and I, I tell them, you know, and I like toy drives. You know, my son, yeah. my oldest son, he does a lot of toy drives in San Francisco. Um, he's good friends with Mayor London Breed. And he was, they were doing toy drives before she was even mayor, you know what I mean, before she was even on the city council. Yeah. So I have an affinity for toy drives. I love toy drives because there's so many kids that deserve toys where their parents may not be able to afford it. Yeah, definitely. Like toys for tots and all that. Firemen and police officers are incredible because I know around Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, I've seen them bring whole dinners to families. You know, a lot of people frown on the police department, and there are a lot of good officers. And I've seen, you know, officers walk up to doors with, like, you know, the turkey, the dressing, the stuff, and, like, everything. I've seen them walk up to doors with, you know, bikes, you know, yeah. for kids and stuff like that. And, I mean, that, that really makes uh, kids' day, man. And people, people just don't understand, you know, some of the stuff that they actually do. Yeah, definitely. There, there's a lot of good that they do. And too bad, like, the... The stuff that ha gets the press is right. the bad stuff, you know, which, you know, that's a whole different story to talk about. But we'll, we'll keep it cheerful, like right. toys and kids yeah. and puppy dogs. And right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other story we can, way we could go down. But, all right. So, you mentioned you started doing television in, like, 89. 89. Yes, in 89. Now... In those years of experience, what advice do you have for somebody who is looking to get started out or their foot in the door producing or even just being a part of um, a TV station? Study and hustle. You got to study your craft. Anything that I do, especially with public address, I study. You know, I didn't know how to do basketball, so I studied it. Okay. You know, I watch a game and I'll turn it up to see what the public address announcer is doing. Or I find out who the public address announcer is and I'll go to their website or I'll go to their YouTube clips. Um, and then there's a lot of instructional stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I listen to what they're saying, what the key moments are, because the job of a public address announcer, they call us the voice above the room. That's what we are in general. But, you know, we'd never... Um, we never say too much. You want to say, you know, just enough for people to pay attention. Yeah. That's what we are. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're kind of like the hype men. So with, with uh, Public Address, I just studied everything. I did football. I studied it. Um, baseball. It's not too much to say, but 
I studied <laughs> it. I just did volleyball last night. And I was like, what do you say at a volleyball match? So, you know, yeah. outside of the opening, you know what I mean? Then And the match is going on. Then you start making up stuff like, you know, uh, point bulldogs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or dig by number 12, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you start making up stuff. So it's like you got to study, you got to hustle. And what I mean by hustle is not that you make a YouTube clip and hope you get a million hits. You got to keep doing stuff. You have mm -hmm. to actually go and intern. A lot of people, they rely too much on social media without promoting their product. And that's what I don't like. My thing with public address, I've only been doing public address probably about four years. And I just did it off of whim because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big voice head. Yeah. I used to watch infomercials like it was going out of style. <laughs> so, you know, when they but wait, there's more. And if you act now, not sold in stores. I <laughs> love that, dude. So it's like me doing that. I used to, uh, all of the public address gigs I got, I call people. Do you have a public address announcer? A lot of people don't even know what a public address announcer is. Yeah. And once you explain it to them, they go, okay. And either they're going to say they need one or they don't need one. But a majority of the phone calls I made, it was like, that sounds cool. And I said, you know what? Let me audition for you. Let me do one game. You like me? It's all good. We'll talk later. Okay. And that's how I got most of my stuff. And now it's just catching on the way people call me and go, hey, man, I'm doing this award show. Can you come do public address? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> so I've, I've done stuff with Jason Kidd. I've done stuff with um, Gary Payton. Right on. You know, I've done, I, I got to introduce Arsenio Hall. And that's like one of my top three things I wanted to do. Like do one of the big award shows like, you know, the BET, NAACP Image Awards, the Oscars, stuff like that. Uh, introduce Arsenio Hall, which I got to do. That's awesome. And then catch In Vogue in concert with, on that song, Never Gonna Get It. And it's that one part, the way to do go. And now it's time for a breakdown. <laughs> yes. I want to do that in concert with In Vogue. I was going to so, say, did you get to do that part? I'm going to because I know the, <laughs> I know the producer of In Vogue. Uh, okay. Thomas McElroy is a good friend of mine. And I'm like, dude, if they're in concert in the Bay, please let me do that part. Because he said he actually did that part on the record. Really? That was him. Nice, nice. That's that's cool, man. I, I, I bet I know one more goal of yours is to be that infomercial guy. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I really want to do that. Throw that on there because I, I can... I, I love that voice, but I also love, like, the announcers where it's like, it's just that easy. Right. You know? <laughs> you know? That totally cheesy voice. Right. And then you got to do, like, I, I listen to uh, address announcers all the time, but then they got to do on Fox. And he's like, coming up on Fox. You yeah. know, and everything sounds exciting and mysterious. You know, I love that. Um, my, my public address, uh, Mount Rushmore, I call it my voice Rushmore, is Gary Owens. Okay. which was in, on Laugh-In like years ago. He's the guy that every time you see him, he had his hand over his ear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's old school. Um, and then um, the movie guy, Don LaFontaine. Yes. You know, he goes back to the good, the bad, the ugly. That was his first voiceover. And Don LaFontaine is so masterful, he can make a Disney movie compelling. So Don yeah. LaFontaine was the dude in a world. You know what I mean? And I'd one world, it. one ring. Exactly. <laughs> In a world surrounded by rats, there was one brave mouse. His name was Mickey. You know? <laughs> That's you great. Know? That's I love great. that. Um, Don Pardo, Saturday Night Live. 
you know, okay. that 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 warm that sarcasm. It's Saturday Night Live, you know, like it didn't matter. That's a good matter. impersonation. I right love there. him. And then Rod Roddy, who I cannot do, but Frank Caliendo, who's an impressionist, does Rod Roddy to the T. He's what I call um, the Price is Right guy, right? The Price is Right. Yeah. yeah, he was like a personality that made the camera marry him. You know, what I mean, because he wears <laughs> the jackets, uh -huh. he has the hair, he has the glasses. So anytime he's come on down, you know, he the camera is on him. And that's the type of person I want to be. The way you you got to get this guy on camera because when I do public address, I'm animated. Yeah, you know what I mean. So when people see me in the corner and I'm moving and I'm doing my thing, they're 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 looking at me and not looking at the stage, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You got to grab their attention because and it, the public address announcer has like a couple roles in my mind one to get their attention and then two to guide them along to right. like what's coming up otherwise it'd be like oh, what if i start and what's going on here i have no clue did did she bump it spike it dig it or score it i don't know right <laughs> and to get names right that's one thing man is getting names right and you know working um with like colleges especially females yeah oh man the name could be kalea spelt with you know like a k-h-y and you're like how do you pronounce this? You know yeah. what I mean? So getting names right because all of our mistakes are amplified. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about a PA announcer. I think one of my biggest mistakes is it was at a Laney game, and I said the ball is on the 51-yard line. <laughs> and everybody in the booth said did you just say 51 yard line and then I, I had to cover it up and i was like the 49 but i was like did i just say 51 well you know that comes after 50 but yeah, not, not in football not in football you know what i'm saying so getting names right and not messing up is what we do you know what i mean and another public address announcer i think he's the public address announcer for the um raiders Okay. And he said he called the knee a team wrong. I think he said that they were playing the Giants, and he said the Jets. And he said people went hysterical. And I was <laughs> like, man, how do you cover for that? Because, yeah. you know, you got 70,000 people like, tell what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And it's, it's wild. You're like, sorry, I've been drinking up here in the booth. Right. Uh. <laughs> and and getting, like, getting names wrong, getting scores wrong, because, like, I've done, you know, peewee games. I've done, like, JV games. And parents are hard. Yeah. Don't mess up the kid's name. Don't mess up the score. You know what I mean? Because they're, I mean, they cuss out the referees, like, the whole game. And I just did one, like, three weeks ago at, in Pittsburgh. And then parents was hard. I got, I think I got one score wrong. It's 21. I was like, okay, I'm two points off. Get <laughs> over it, you know. I'll correct it. It's, it's good. But yeah, yeah, dude. It's fun. They can, they, they, parents take that stuff seriously. They man. take it really, really seriously. Yeah. Put Timmy in. Yeah. <laughs> Put my boy in. Why is he on the bench? Because I'm like, your boy sucks. I've seen him play. You know what I mean? <laughs> but can't say that to parents. I mean, parents be ready to fight. So, no. I leave it alone. All the kids got to get the participation yep. ribbon. And I can't be a ref. It was either public address or referee. And I was like, no, nope, I'll do public address. <laughs> All right, all right. So now, what you have a lot of projects going on, and um, obviously you want to get the word out about them. What are you doing to promote yourself and uh, what you have going on here at VJTV? Well, VJTV, I mean, we do um, not only social media, but we do flyers. You know, um, we do commercials for ourselves and we put them out there. Uh, it's just, you know, we do a, a lot of promotion. We 
go to places that people are. So we have flyers like right now we just started in Sacramento a month ago. You know, we got airtime up there. And one of our challenges is we're on Comcast and a lot of people in Sacramento have direct TV. Yeah. So we go up there with flyers and Sacramento gives a lot of concerts, a lot of um, shows. And we're at the shows at the end, like they used to do the old school clubs. Hey, yeah. man, we got we got a party next Saturday. I do the same <laughs> thing with television. Hey, watch VJTV, man. We're on 12 to 6 Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? Um, so we're out just grinding in the public. We're out filming things. That's one okay. big thing. Um, and one thing that we have is when you do television, a mic flag is very important. Because when people see a mic flag, then they feel that it's some kind of legitimacy added <laughs> to that. So It's amazing how much that little box around that your mic. That little box can... around your mic, yeah. And people are like, oh, dude, who y'all? And everybody wants an interview then. Once yep. they see the mic flag, everybody wants to interview. And that's when we give them fly. Hey, spread the word. So if you put one person on television, you never know. He might have 10,000 followers on something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a good thing to do that. But it's all about promotion. You just got to get out there. You got to grind. And you just can't sit back and go, okay, well, I'm going to put it on social media. And let's see how many people like me. Yeah. Do you do anything different to promote uh promote your public address announcing or um, i make phone calls i make a lot of phone calls I, I just really and i don't know why but when you're in a certain business you kind of lack on what you should be doing like youtube yeah i really just started putting a lot of my stuff on youtube which it should have been there like years ago <laughs> you know i got like a thousand tapes around here with a gang of interviews and I've never just like really edited and put those interviews on YouTube, but I'm starting to do it now. Okay. And people are starting to see that, okay, this cat goes back a, a while. So on public address, that's what I started doing is um, making a YouTube clip of like if I did an opening for a, a basketball game or my Arsenio Hall opening, I put it on YouTube. And that's something that I send to people. So if I see a public address gig or if an award show is coming up and I know they don't have a public address announcer, yeah. I'll send them an email saying who I am, what I've done, and then I'll send two clips and then maybe some celebrity pictures that, you know, like I got a picture with Denzel I send almost in every email. Like, <laughs> hey, I was with Denzel. Check this out. You know he doesn't I mean? know me, but I've yeah. been in his vicinity. Right. <laughs> but actually, that's that picture in the back. But it. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. right next to him. <laughs> right on. That it is. <laughs> but I do stuff, man. Um, we've done music television we've done like stuff like the oscars and you know big things like that so i let people know that i do stuff and when they see that then they're like okay this cat must do something yeah let's make it happen that's good like kind of giving yourself uh, social clout give credibility by giving out the it's kind of like stand-up comedy in a way like right. where you're giving out the demo reel the f like the five minutes to the clubs right. or whatnot and that's what people want now because the first thing they say is First, they used to say, send me a set, right, yeah. like when you were a comic. Send me a set. So if you had a decent five-minute set, you could send them that one unedited clip, and yeah. it was fine. Now people are asking, send me a reel, because they want to see that you've done a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. versus just one thing. You know what I mean? So now you have to send people reels, and, and it's actually a good idea. And I suppose they want to see how you handle different crowds, exactly. too, different situations, and they want to see your range, see you in different locations, right? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, one comedy show—it's like, you know, one comedy show is cool, but 
if you've done like, you know, 10, you might have had that one good show and it could have been like 50 of your friends in the audience and that's the clip you send. Yeah. And then the next nine you tank because nobody knows you and your jokes suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now they want to like, no, we want to see you in different stuff. Yes, and wear different clothes so we can tell it. Right, so we can tell, you know, and we need to see different backgrounds. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. reels are for. Yeah, exactly. They call them sizzle reels. Uh-huh. Now, I know you've had a lot of highlights. I see, I've see i seen pictures of highlights around the office, and we've talked about a few on here. But what, what would be a couple highlights that you would care to share with uh, the Uncontained listeners? Meeting Barry Gordy. Meeting Barry Gordy. Okay. I've, I've interviewed Barry Gordy, or my company has interviewed Barry Gordy three times. Awesome. Yeah, in Los Angeles, they have an award show called the Heroes and Legends Awards, which uh, most of the people, it's like a scholarship fund for uh, kids in the industry, you know, from I think it's like 14 or 15 up to like 20. And, and my son actually won a HAL Award when he was 16, about four years ago. But Barry Gordy has his own foundation, and um, he's also the chairman of the Heroes and Legends Awards. Okay. And we just had the opportunity to interview Barry. And I was like, That's oh, amazing. this is dope. This is like Barry Gordy. You know what I mean? And at that same award show, we got Stevie Wonder. We got Rick James. We got Tina Marie. I mean, we got some. I got Debbie Allen. Wow. I mean, I got some. Cla- I got Smokey Robinson. And I mean, those those (laughs) cats are classic. I mean, those are classy. And when you're in that company, you're like, oh, my goodness, this is like this is music. Definitely. Definitely. That's especially like, you know, I actually grew up listening to some of that stuff because I'd hear my dad playing it in the cars were rolling. So like hearing like some of that Motown stuff and then like growing up listening to that, then being able to interview like Barry Barry Gordy. and wow, that that is impressive. Yeah, Barry Gordy, man, was a big highlight. Um, and then also, I got accepted. Um, I got press credentials to the Oscars, but it was like they, they got like this thing called Oscar Week, and yeah. then they got the Oscars. Okay. So we got Oscar Week, which is like cool, but like at twelve o'clock, the Oscar Week passes don't work anymore. And it's like <laughs> if you don't have that Oscar pass, but it was just like being in that Oscar environment was cool because. A couple of my um, my host um, Sierra and Karen, Karen and Sierra. Okay. They were um, we were there like two days before the Oscars started. And they were doing interviews, and they actually got a chance to meet uh, Tyson Beckford, oh, the really? model model actor. And we didn't know that the Oscar uh, people from the Oscars was there taking pictures, so they actually put them on the website. Really? And they said, yeah, a couple of reporters are checking out the Oscar scene to do this, and I was like. We're on the website. That was cool. <laughs> and you had your microphone flags, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. We had nice. the mic flags, man. But, yeah, that was that was a good thing, you know, doing the Oscars. We've done the, um, I think, the first big award show that I did was the uh, Billboard Music Awards okay. in Las Vegas. So what is it like hosting one of those big award shows? Well, you feel like you're in the know. Like, you, you're there with, like, press. You know what I mean? Like, you're there with Entertainment Tonight. Uh, you're there with MTV. You're there with all of these big boys yeah you know and you're in the same class you got the same pass you know what i mean you're going to the same events and they treat you as an equal like you're a peer because they don't know how big you are in your area yeah. you know what i mean i could have had like a little show that was on for an hour you know maybe in the east bay or something like that they don't know that you mm-hmm. know what i mean as far as they're concerned 
I'm at the Billboard Music Awards with them. I got a press pass like they do. You know what I mean? I got a mic flag like they do. So <laughs> it's kind of like you're shaking hands, you're meeting people, you know, and um, those friendships are cool because when you're in L.A. or wherever you're at, you can call them. Hey, man, I'm in town. What's going on? Hey, dude, we're going to this party. Uh, you know, George Clooney is giving a party tonight, dude. I get you in, man. It's all good. Oh, good. Let's go. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> man, I'm flying in. So you got to make it yeah. sound like you're good. I'm flying in like when you're on the road on Highway 5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be, like, it'd be, it'd be uh, tough to fit it into my schedule. Yeah. I got this, this, and this. And like, in the meantime, like, nothing to do. Nothing I'm going. To do. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, that's, that was definitely a highlight, man, is, um, you know, those being at those type of events and meeting, you know, people that you know in the industry um meeting the new people in the industry you know and just knowing the industry from the inside because yeah. you're not a threat you're a promotion exactly all right perfect man um now i'm going to touch back on an earlier highlight the introducing arsenio hall mm -hmm. uh did you get to meet arsenio did you get to like interact with arsenio at oh all? definitely definitely because i'm a big fan of arsenio i knew I used to watch Arsenio when he appeared on Soul Train. That's actually where I got that name <laughs> from. Um, he appeared on Soul Train. He was on Solid Gold back in the day. Um, and how I think he got his show, he used to co-host when Joan Rivers had her show. Okay. When Joan Rivers wasn't on, Arsenio was the host. And then from that, he got the Arsenio Hall show. So I actually watched Arsenio develop. And I think he was on a show, it was called Uncle Ray Murphy's Special, who was Eddie Murphy's uncle. And he was on the show. It was um, Arsenio Hall, Chris Rock, Barry Sobel, Marsha Warfield. And they did, um, you know, they all did like a good 10-minute set on that show. Okay. So I've watched Arsenio grow, you know what I mean, to what he is now. And he, I mean, his show was phenomenal. It's it's legendary. So Definitely is. when Errol Jackson, who actually produced that show, it was called the Valentine's Weekend Laugh Fest. It had uh, Marlon Wayans was in there. Um Bruce Bruce, you know, a lot of comedians, he, he had called me when he was planning and said, Rock, how would you like to introduce Arsenio? I was like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> Just tell me what time I need to be there. And um, when I seen Arsenio, I'm like, dude, this is Arsenio. I'm actually going to bring this cat on stage. So I made sure that, you know, I had his, I know he's from Cleveland. You know, I made sure I had all his accolades. I let his manager read. And he was like, oh, man, that's all fine. And I just went off the cuff and did it. Nice. And I got to talk to him backstage, and, you know, we was chatting it up. And one thing about Arsenio is that they had a TV show in San Francisco called People Are Talking with Ross McGowan and Ann Frazier back in the day. And it was okay. like one of our local talk shows. And Arsenio Hall's mother appeared on that show. Really? And with, with Sylvester Stallone's mother, Jackie Stallone. And Interesting. I used, to, I used to go to that show, like, at least once a month and sit in the audience. And at the time, Arsenio's mother was single. And I think Ann Frazier is like, well, we're trying to find her a husband. And she had her eye on the guy right there. And the cameras just came to me. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe 1920. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, and then the, they rushed over to me, gave me a microphone. You know, they talked to me for a minute. And I was like, that was surreal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and then after they let me do a plug saying, uh, you know, I got hooked up with Arsenio Hall's mother right here on KPIX Channel 5 or something like okay, that. Okay, do but, a little drop. Uh, and I told him that, and he said that I remember when she was on that show. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And Arsenio was like, he better not do anything to my oh, mom. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I mean, introducing Arsenio, I mean, because you watch the show and you hear that, it's Arsenio. You get to do yeah. that? Oh, man, I'm good with that. Hell yeah, hell yeah, dude. So when somebody comes and either sees you uh, do some PA work um, or, like, checks out uh, VJTV, like, what is it that you want them to take away or remember from their experience? That um, I remind them of, of I remind them of classics, okay. like, especially with public address. Um, my biggest thing is when people come up to me after the show and go, I enjoyed you. And I was like, like I did a performance and I was yeah. like, okay, that's cool. Or when they're talking to me and I say, well, I was the PA announcer. I was like, that was you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's oh, a yeah. cool thing too. So when you hear that or like after a, a football game, people, I mean, I like listening to you. That's a good thing. And that's why, you know, I come with the voice because PA announcers, there are cats that have been doing PA for like 40, 50 years like uh, Dick Callahan for the A's. He's been there for like ever. Okay. You know what I mean? There's a lot of public address announcers has been there forever. They're like, this is what they do. My thing, I go, you know, I, I do different things. I do award shows. I do sports. I do, you know, a lot of different things. But when people notice, you know, the voice, or mm -hmm. it reminds them that, you know, they're at a game, that's that's the biggest thing for me when they're actually listening to me and when they comment on it, like if I mess up and they comment, they're listening. Yes. <laughs> they, they are listening. They're um, listening. Now, do you ever find yourself just doing that voice as you're out walking around? Um, it comes and goes. Like through this supermarket, like, yeah. Um, where are the canned peas? <laughs> right. You know, I did that. The funny thing, man, is before I got into public address, I used to go to uh, TGI Fridays. Okay. And you know how they go, uh, Johnson, party of six, your table is now ready. I walked in there one Friday, and I was like, hey, do you mind if I do that? And she was like, why not? <laughs> it's Friday, okay. And she gave the mic to me, and I said, uh, good evening, and welcome to TGI Fridays. Wilson, party of four, your table is now ready. And she was like, oh, <laughs> right? And I was up there for like an hour, right? And people that were coming in, they were like, hey, dude, tell them your name and watch this. Like they were watching the show. Yeah. And I was up there for like an hour. And then when I left, I was like, okay, I'm going to go have me a drink. Everything's all good. I appreciate it. I had fun. I left to applause. <laughs> That's like awesome. people was just watching the show. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And I used to do the same thing when I worked at Arby's. They yeah. gave me, I worked in drive through <laughs> So they gave me a microphone. So when people drove up, I said, good evening and welcome to Arby's. This is Rock. May I take your order, please? And they'd be like, hello? Because they thought it was a recording. <laughs> and then they would drive up to the window and be like, Dude, was that you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. On that, that'd be a nice change to go through the drive-thru and actually be able to understand what the person is right, saying. Right, exactly. So like a teacher from Charlie Brown. Fries? That's true. I actually forgot one highlight. Okay. And I think I brought it up that um, I got to meet Denzel Washington. You got... Uh, so if you got to meet Denzel about Washington. That's the pick that you send to everybody in the email. Yes. So how how did that come about? Okay. Denzel, I don't think I asked you that earlier. Denzel Washington is a Cowboys fan. Okay. Right? And I got a lot of Cowboys gear. And uh, Sandra Varner, who is one of the producers I work with, she does uh, public relations. She was, um, they were doing a screening for Fences, his movie, out in San Francisco. Okay. And I never knew Denzel used to live in San Francisco. I did not know that yeah. either. So they was doing a um, screening out there for Fences. 
and Sandra had me shoot it. And she was like, Rock, could you go cover it for me? And I was like, fine. And it was kind of raining that day, but, you know, where um, the red carpet was, it was under a tent anyway. But I had on my um, cowboy's hat. And when I went, I set up my camera. I think his handler walked up to me and he said, dude, you're about to get so much play. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I was thinking like, oh, cowboy's hat. So when Denzel walked up to me, he started smiling. Right? <laughs> And he was basically going to let me interview as long as I wanted to, but I didn't want to hog the red carpet. Yeah. So I asked him a few questions about fences, asked him some questions about some other things, and then he walked off. And I was like, man, I forgot to get my picture. So I said, Mr. Washington, do you mind if I get a picture with you? And he said, yeah, cowboy, it's all good. So he walked down about three reporters, and one of the reporters brought up the Raiders, <laughs> right? So he was like, the Raiders? And then he went, come here, cowboy. So he signaled for me to come to him, and I was like, word so i walked to him and the picture that you see is me standing next to him when she's talking about the race <laughs> so he, he signaled for me and then he kind of hugged me for a minute so it looked like i knew him so if you've seen the uh the video of it, it looked like he knew me and nice. somebody in the crowd said rock because they knew it. they said okay here comes rockefeller so it was like it looked like denzel knew me and my wife even bugged off of that. She was like, you didn't tell me you was going to go meet Denzel Washington. She was mad at me for like a week for that. But that was definitely a highlight. And then when I walked off the red carpet, one of the ladies there, she was like, dude, do you believe that just happened? I was like, no, nah, it hasn't hit me yet. Yeah, that that is definitely a highlight right there. So is Denzel from Texas originally or is he? I am not. I think Denzel is originally from New York, I believe. Okay. But I'm not sure. I think he's from New York, but um, he he's a big a Cowboys fan. I'm from San Francisco, and I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay, and there's people every place that are Cowboys fan, like diehard Cowboys. Cause that's why they call it America's team, you know. But there's a lot of Cowboys fans, yeah, all yeah. over the place. I think except New York, because I went out there, man, and it's it's giants. Probably don't Yankees. find too many in nah. D.C. either, right? Yeah, Cause... not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, I'm I'm actually from the Midwest, so I'm a Bears fan. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's an exciting year, but it's also always they give you just enough hope just to yank it away. Right. But that, you know, that's that's part of being a Bears fan, not, not a bandwagon jumper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's like one day. One day they'll relive, relive 85's glory. Right. Uh, <laughs> In the music video. <laughs> yes, and Super Bowl so Shuffle Part 2. Oh, man. So, <laughs> all right. So... Man, I have one final question for you. Go for it. But before we get to that question, um, where can people find you on the internet? Where's your, or where can, where can people locate you in the World Wide Web or out on television or? Oh, vjtvnetwork.rocks. Okay. Yeah, vjtvnetwork.rocks, R O C K S, and then uh, rockvox.info. But okay. if you go to uh, rock is R O C K E V O X dot info. But if you go to um, VJTV or if you go to Rockvox, it's on the same website. Okay, it takes but, you to the same place. Yeah, so Rockvox will take you to my page on VJTV. But then you can also fish for what VJTV has done, some of the uh, parties that we've covered. Like we got a Playboy party that we've covered. Okay. Which was really cool. I imagine. Um, man, <laughs> wow. Um, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of events that we covered. Um, 
some celebrity pictures, but I, I think I need to add like some of our current ones because we got a lot of current okay. celebrity pictures. But you can, and from there you'll hit uh, History and Making Entertainment is on there, Feral Films is on there. So a lot of stuff that we do, you can go to uh, VJTVNetwork.rocks or .com. Doesn't make a difference. All right, perfect, perfect, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Go I ahead. do have. I'm glad. I'm glad. And we talked about a lot. Got to hear some stories about like Denzel, about Arsenio, and you know those are some awesome things. Um, maybe we'll have to next time we talk. We'll have to talk about this picture with you and oh, Outcast. Outcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that I mean that that that's a cool story too because they actually I've interviewed them like three or four times and one time they remembered us. Oh, awesome. And it was like, man, I remember you, wasn't you the dude that did an interview with me in that basement? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, we got stories around here. Right on. Hell yeah, dude. So I do have that one final question for you. It's the title question of the show. Rock, how do you live uncontained? How do I live uncontained? I don't listen to people. Okay. And anybody that, if you're not doing what I'm, what I'm doing, then I can't listen to you. You can't tell me how to do television if you don't know how to do television or you know the first thing about it. So why would I listen to you? I always listen to people above me. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And like even with doing comedy, I don't listen to a comic that's on my level because even though he might be a friend, he's still competition. I yeah. listen to somebody that's somewhere else. You know what I mean? And that's the person that drives me. It's like, no, dude, do your thing. Okay, when you did it this way, try it this way and it may work. That's what I do. As far as sacrifices, the only sacrifice I think that I've ever did is time. Time is the biggest sacrifice yeah. in the world. Because you think of something that you could have been doing 10 years ago. You know, you could have been like, man, if I was doing this this time, I would have been here. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel like with public address. Like all the stories I explained, like when I was at Arby's, when I was, uh, you know, did the TGI Fridays thing. None of that, I never thought about doing public address. But doing voices was one of my favorite things. Yeah. So had I thought about it then, instead of thinking about it at 47, you know, now I'm 51, now I'm getting into it, and it's moving faster because I know how to do it. Yeah. And that's the thing. When you know how to do something, you climb faster versus kind of starting all over and trying to do it the whole nine. So one, I don't take any advice, and I hate the word advice, but I don't take any advice from people that just don't know because it's a waste of your time. What do you prefer other than advice? I say uh, knowledge. Knowledge? I, I never say advice because cause advice is kind of like an opinion. Knowledge is like, I really know this. And then, gotcha. you know, like if you've made a mistake, like if you, for an easy example, if you touch fire and you know it's hot, you can tell the, the next person, don't touch that, it's hot. <laughs> because you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Versus, like, you know, your vice is, well, I wouldn't touch fire. <laughs> okay, well, why don't I listen to you, too? Because I assume it may burn and yeah, blister you, my skin. You're not telling me anything. You know what I mean? I like somebody that don't do that. You yeah. Because I've done it. That's why, as parents, we've made mistakes. So we can mm -hmm. tell our kids, dude, we've done that. You know what I'm saying? I've been your age. You've never been mine. So I told <laughs> you not to do that because I know this could be the outcome. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So. But, you know, sometimes you just got to learn on your own. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they do it, the first thing that pops in your head, he told me not to do that. You know what I mean? He's like, you're right, it did hurt. Yep, Fire sucks. Biggest word in the English language is if. Man, uh -huh. if I would have just listened, if I wouldn't have done that, if. You know, it's always exactly. if. Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, man, if I had another two hours to talk to you, <laughs> um, you know, we could probably continue on with some more great stories from people in these pictures on the walls. Yeah. Next and, time we're going to film this. Okay, yes, definitely. Sometimes I sometimes I do a little Instagram live, right. but uh, my phone battery is a little low. so oh, We got cameras. We're going to film this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Next time we will film this. You will have to keep me posted on when you have new movies and new stuff coming out. I'll oh, help uh, plug that. Uh, or do you have anything to plug real quick before we sign off? Yeah, the show? Uh, Laney, Laney is doing a, a football game, their last football game of the season is this Friday. Um, it's the last game of the season. And then also the Silver Bowl okay. um, is going to be at Laney College November 17th, uh, starting at 10. The JV play at. The JVs play at 10, and I think the varsity plays at like 12 or 1. But that's also coming up, and the Silver Bowl is like the Super Bowl of high school. Okay. All right. So that's... The Silver Bowl is November 17th at Laney. All right. Cool. I have one final thing for you to do, Rock. Go for it. And that is sign off the show. Rock, will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Okay, I can do that. This is James Rock in the house, that announcer guy from VJTV, and I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Rock for joining me as well and sharing all those stories about uh, meeting Denzel Washington, Outcast, Barry Gordy, and uh, yeah, getting uh, to do some of the cool stuff he does uh, with the uh, public address announcing and how he got his start. How he got his start in television is kind of compelling as well. So if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you reach out to Rock in person on his social media or at least check out his website, vjtvnetwork.com. That's uh, all going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check that out and uh, let him know you heard him right here on Uncontained. Until next time, as always, live uncontained.